a man walked up a hill to have a conversation with God. And in this conversation, he, he asked him a couple questions. He said, God, what's, what's a million years to you? And God said, it's, it's a minute. And so the man just pondered that. And then he said, well, God, what's, what's a million dollars to you? And God was like, it's a, it's a penny. And so the guy was thinking, he was like, Lord, Lord can, can I have a million dollars? And the, and the Lord said, sure, in a minute. There's a, there's a quote that, that we have been saying over and over throughout this series, unhurried, of slowing down and finding life. We've been talking about finding the pace of Jesus. And, and we had a bunch of great questions that, that came through a few weeks ago when we did a panel. And I want to try to answer some of those questions uh, about our finances this morning. The quote is, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life, of our spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly everybody say ruthlessly eliminate hurry everybody say hurry for your from your life hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life so dallas willard says and so i thought man what is what is you know i want to look up i have an idea of what the the word ruthlessly means but i wanted to look it up and so ruthlessly means without pity or compassion cruel merciless wow and i said okay well i want to go a little bit deeper what are some synonyms of ruthlessly so as in brutally it's ferociously or mercilessly as in cold-blooded it's calculated or callously as in savagely it's brutally or vish or or viciously as in vindictively it's vengeful Malicious, venomously. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like most of us, most of us don't resonate with these words. They don't, they don't resonate, and much less do we resonate with the attitude of, of the position of these words. They're foreign to who we are. In fact, like the only time we ever see these words are like when we're watching a movie and it's the bad guy, it's the villain. He's all these things. But but this quote. The thing that we've been talking about is, is the position, right? We, 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 this has to be our stance against hurry. Like that, 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 that kind of changed my perspective a little bit. If, if our desire, listen, if our desire is to live at the pace of Jesus, right? We just sing it. I just want to move your heart. You're, you're all that I want, Lord. I want you to, to give all of, to take all of me. I give it all to you, God. Right? If, if, if that's more than just a song that we sing, but a lifestyle that we're longing to live, then that, that's the priority that we have to take. That's the, the ruthlessness that we have to have against hurry. We have to be ferociously, mercilessly, callously, brutally, maliciously, venomously seek out and eliminate hurry from our lives hurry is the enemy because because if if it isn't then you'll just look back on this series and you'll be like man you know that was that was cool that was some great ideas that's 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 real that's some great concepts 
It's kind of cool, you know, cultivated some great conversation, you know, on the way home or at Sunday lunch. Because, you know, God forbid we talk about it after Sunday. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's great. Good job. Hey, good job, David. Great job. Good job, Pastor Ross. Good job. But that's not for me. So this is what we have to settle. Is Jesus your priority? Is Jesus the priority of your life? Is, is it the Holy Spirit that leads your life? Is it the Holy Spirit that we walk to, that, that we connect with, that we ask about the decisions that we're going to make in our lives? About the way we work and the way we live and the way we, we operate and the way we treat others? Is that, is, that, is that who we go to? Who's in charge? What is the ultimate goal in your life? What does that list look like? What, is, what does that list look like in your life? And is that list, as you, you're calculating it now, everybody brought it up in their mind, is that list determined by a, by a biblical standard or is it a cultural standard? Is the, has society set your list? Yeah, it's that kind of Sunday this morning. <laughs> but we're walking it together, Amen. It's we. Come on, everybody say, it's we. I love it. I love it. Because Ross said last week, he said that the greatest challenge to living an unhurried life are time. Time. I, I mean, I just, I just have so much going on. And the second is money. I simply can't afford to slow down. I, I can't. It's, it's, it's a very real issue for many of us. But there are practical and biblical solutions to deal directly with our time and our money. And Pastor Ross talked about that time. Last week he talked about the Sabbath. He talked about the, 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 the cycle of six and one, six and one, right? Which a Sabbath is just simply a weekly 24-hour period of rest, worship, and delight. He talked about that. And, the, and the, the, the solution for our money is tithing. It's giving to the Lord. It's, it's the consistent practice of being a percentage giver. And can I just say thank you for coming this morning? Thank you for joining. Thank you for sticking around with us, right? Because Pastor Ross kind of teased these things last week, and you could easily be like, man, I ain't going next week. You're talking about tithing. <laughs> I'll catch that online. Psych! All of a sudden, oh, look at that. The game is on. It's a rerun of 1949. I'll, I'll watch that instead. You know, it, it, as, I was, as I was getting ready for this, kind of going over a bunch of notes and stuff, I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, a while back I preached about being single. And then I preached about sex. Now I'm preaching about tithing. I'm like, whoo, boy, I tell you what. Pastor Ross was like, hey, Sabbath, it's great, it's rest. Tithing next week, hey, David, why don't you go ahead and handle that? I gotta, I, man, I totally forgot I got to be in Lake Travis next week. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just joking. He, he actually is in Lake Travis this morning, and he sends his love, um, and we love him. I love him, and he's, he's equipped us this morning to have this conversation. The, this, is the, this is it. Our money is, is one of the areas of our lives that, that can be the most challenging to figure out. I think, I think we can all say amen to that. We all have to understand the way we see money, the way we spend money, the way we use money. It's really important. Because the, the truth of the matter is, we, we are believers here, and so, so we understand that, that God is in charge. He's in charge of it all. 
And if we don't figure out God's perspective on it, then, then money and possessions can, can subtly and sometimes slowly, sometimes insidiously take charge of our lives. Our, our motives, our, our focus, it, it starts to shift when, when our priorities start to get warped and start to get out of balance. And ultimately, all that leads to, to a squeezing out, a choking out of our spiritual lives because our, our focus is beginning to shift. Our, our identities are starting to change. Our priorities are starting to change. And it, and it, it almost shifts with, a, with a, a pathological pace of busyness, of hurry, of pressure. And so the challenge for some is, is the belief of the belief of the, the lies about money, that, that, that things bring happiness, or that, or that, that, that there are no consequences to debt, or that a, a little more money would solve my problems. Just, man, if I just had a little bit more, man, I, I, would, it would, be, I would be great. <laughs> I, th- I think we've all been there. And then we get a little bit more, and we're great for about a week, and then we consume that, and they're like, man, if I could just get a little bit more, then I would be okay. There was a, there was a lady that, that said, whoever said money can't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. <laughs> Just for the record, that's not what we're talking about. The reality is, for, for those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, the way we manage our money, it's, it's important because it determines so much about our focus and our pace. And what I, what I want us to see, one of the things that I want us to see this morning is money matters to God. And we have to get his perspective on it. It's about his perspective. You know that the, there are 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possession versus 500 that talk about prayer and faith. The, the Bible has a lot to say about this. He, in fact, Jesus, one of his, his most famous subjects was, was on this in Matthew 6, verses 19. And if you have the version app, all these notes are right there. So in, in Matthew 6, read with me. The Bible says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, people often misunderstand that last portion of scripture where it says, they say your heart will be where your treasure is. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is actually saying just the opposite. Your heart always follows your treasure. Just a, a couple verses down in 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Very specific. And that, that word serve there, it's, it's du, duoluo, is, is what the word is in Greek. And it indicates to be a slave of, to serve, to do service. So Jesus is saying here, you have to choose. You have to choose every morning, every day, every week, every month. You have to choose. He's forcing the question. He's demanding an answer. Will you be a slave to God or will you be a slave to money? What I want you to understand is 
what Jesus is talking about. Because God, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He's, he's after your heart. Because you have to remember, your heart will follow what you treasure. Jesus wants you, God wants you to treasure him. He wants you to treasure him so much that that, that is your pursuit. That is our lifestyle. That is what we long for. That is what we live for. We live for him. And what comes, comes. We just understand that, God, I believe your word when it says you have overcome the world. But I understand I'm going to have problems. I'm going to struggle. And so I need help with this. We need help with this. Amen? So as we, as we press in, remember, Paul challenged young Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. He says, but godliness with contentment is great king. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The Bible says here, verse 10, for the love of money is the root. Everybody say root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money isn't a blessing from God, it's a test. Money isn't a blessing from God, it's, it's a test. Did you, did, you, did you see what the word of God says there? It says that the love of money is, is the outcome, right? It's, it's the leaves on, in your life. It's, it's, no, it's, no it's, it's the fruit of your life. No, no, wait, wait, no. It, the, the, the love of money is, is what, what it extends out of you. No, it says the love of money is the root. Think about that. It's, it's not the end result, it's the source. Think about the root of a tree. The root of a tree is the source of that tree. It determines how big, it determines how strong, it determines how much, how much it's going to produce. The, the nutrients come from the root. And that's what the word of God is saying, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. That's why it's such a touchy subject. That's right. Some of you right now are like, man, I, I should not have came today. <laughs> Some of, I don't, I'm sure not everybody is with me online anymore. That's all right. Maybe they can tune back in. We're going to record it. They can watch it again later. We pray the Lord convict them. But I love that you guys are still here. Thank you so much. So many are led away because of it. So many are led astray because of it. So many are destroyed by it. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And so the question again this morning is, another question is, do you have money or does money have you because if God has your heart then God may trust you with money because here's why here's why money's a rival to God in our lives because money offers us everything that God does without the moral constraints think about that provision security confidence influence money always speeds everything up no need for any character building, patience, or perseverance when you got a bunch of money. I don't need that. I can just, I can just pay for it. I can just buy it. I ain't got no worries. Not in that sense. And that's why a little further down in the same book, in the same chapter, of, in verse 17, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, 
but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. This way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know that from a global perspective, everybody in this room, we are the rich in this present world. I've said this before about this passage. I don't want you to exclude yourself because of a dollar amount in your bank account. Like we, we, live, we live in America. We thank God that we live in this great nation. And because we live in this great nation, we are part of the rich in this present world. So God is talking to each one of us, and he's asking us, he's telling us not to be arrogant, not to put our hope in the wealth and what we have, which is uncertain, but to understand that your arrogance, I want you to understand that it can be from it or it can be from the hope of it. So we're, not, we're not excluding anybody in this room. And the Bible says instead, put your hope in God who richly provides everything for you. For what? For our enjoyment. God is not a killjoy. God wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to have happiness and joy. But we misunderstand that our happiness and joy come from a financial standing That's uncertain, that's faulty, that's shaky. God is firm. He is a firm foundation. He does not waver. He does not change. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's where our hope should be in. As a matter of fact, the scripture that we just read ends so that you would take hold of life that is truly life. Lay up for ourselves treasure for the coming age. And that's why we have to find, we have to find these practical ways of dealing with the allure of money. The need for tangible actions that, that keep money and possessions from owning us. From, from driving us, from enslaving us to work without limits. From keeping us out of the rat race consumed with, with accumulating more. We have to have some practical, practical things to help us to avoid those things, to stay out of that. And there is a simple and practical and concrete way that we can do that, that teaches us to trust God with our money. And it's called, it's called tithing. Tithing trains us to trust God. I'm gonna trust you with this, God. Tithing is simply becoming a percentage giver the most practical and disciplined way to honor God with our money. You know, tithing was, was first mentioned. We're going we're gonna to take a trip through the Old Testament, but we'll, we'll end up in the New. So, just, so come with me just for a second. Tithing was first mentioned in, in, uh, as Abraham, when Abraham tied to Melchizedek in Genesis. Genesis 14, 18 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. The Bible says, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It's interesting that the practice of tithing didn't come with the giving of the law. It was, it was actually pre-law, meaning that the act, it was an act of worship. 
and has its origins in thankfulness and generosity. You, you hear us say it every time we, the moment comes up that we're going to receive our tithe and offering. I say it all the time. Rob said it this morning. Is we're going to continue worshiping God because that's what we believe. We believe that it is an act of worship unto the Lord. And then God gives Moses the instruction on how to tithe in Deuteronomy. Quickly in Deuteronomy 14, in, in verse 22, the Bible says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chose for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Supplies to your tithe of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this teaches you always to fear the Lord your God. And we immediately see that tithing is about honoring God. It's about giving him our first. It's about giving him our best. Not, not the last or the least or not, not what's left over. It's just, just, this is value, this premise, this, this understanding of the firstborn or the first fruits that again is spoken of in just the chapter before, I mean, in Exodus 13, Exodus 13, 1 and 2, and the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. If you skip down to verse 12, it says, You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Track with me. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. 13 says, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Do you see? The firstborn was to be either sacrificed or redeemed. If it was designated unclean, then you were to redeem it with a clean, spotless lamb. But if it was clean, if the, if the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed, then the unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. And we have, what we have to understand is that everything in Scripture points to Christ. And the, the Father not only sets this as a practice in Israel, but it is fully personified through Christ through his sacrifice, through what he did on the cross. Because Jesus, Jesus was God's firstborn son, and he was born clean. We know that. He was born pure. He was the spotless lamb. But every one of us, we we've all have been born unclean. We have been born sinners. Sinner, sin is innate in us. It is our nature. Therefore, Jesus was sacrificed to redeem us. So it was like Jesus is God's tithe to us. He gave us the firstborn. He gave us his first. He gave us his best. Tithing is an incredible display of God's wisdom because it's, it's a percentage. It doesn't matter what social or economic status you attain. We all give the same weight. We give the same sacrifice in each of our lives. The truth is, the reality is, 
that if everyone in the church would practice tithing, I'm telling you, church, there's not a building we couldn't buy. There's not a social economic problem that we couldn't help to resolve. And there's not a ministry need that we couldn't meet. And that's the truth. Now, please don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying, right? Because this is a touchy subject. And I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to challenge you to step into who God has called us to be. I understand that, that there, are, there are financial challenges that, that you face. There's people in this room that are facing real challenges. I get that we live in a society that, that views, it views church as this too money conscious. I, I, don't, I don't think that about us because we don't talk about money very often. And I want you, I want you, I want realize that, that there are pastors Pastors that have, that have preached a prosperity gospel, and they've, they've gotten wealthy because of it. Man, you know what? That, that's between them and God. I'm talking about me and you here right now, us. I want you to know that, that you're giving. We, we believe that. We don't just say it from the, from the stage. We believe it. Your giving is holy. What you bring into the storehouse, we honor that. We want to do what God has called us to do. What you do, what you do is you enable us, all of us, you equip us to be able to reach out and impact our cities. We have a, a lean ministry, and we have a, a board of directors that helps us and guides us. I just wanted you to know that. And that it's not just Ross making a bunch of decisions, doing whatever he wants to do. That's, that's not what it is. And I think it's important that you know that. I think it's important that you understand that, that tithing, that we believe, that tithing is not a transaction between you and the church. It's an act of worship between you and God. Tithing is, is not only worship, it's God's very pragmatic approach for keeping money from becoming our master and keeping him first in our lives. For keeping us from loving things and using people. From, for living with a greater perspective and purpose, understanding the scripture says that we store our treasures up in heaven moths and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not come in and steal. That's the goal. That's the vision. That's the purpose of our lives. I, I love the, the image that, that, that Francis Chan did one time. He had this huge long rope and, and just a portion of this rope. If you can just imagine a, a rope that stretched from, from this side of the building, that side of the building, and this much of it was your life on earth. If we, if we understand that, if we have that understanding, we wake up with that understanding every day, that changes our perspective. We're living for eternity, not living for the 60, 70, 80 years that God may bless us with here. We're living for eternity. Our vision, our focus, our life is all about eternity, living it with him. That's why it's so practical and so powerful. But there's, there's one word of caution that, that, uh, from Jesus before we, we move on. And this is a warning to the religious leaders, right? In Matthew 23, the Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you, you hypocrites, Jesus says. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out the gnat, but you swallow the camel. (laughs) Motivation matters. 
You see, Jesus is, is going beyond the practice to the motivation. Tithing is about love, not law. <laughs> Tithing is about, God, I love you and I appreciate you. Tithing is about you saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you can do more with, with my obedience than I can with my wit and ingenuity. <laughs> I trust that you can do more with my obedience than I can by the sweat of my brow and the strength that I have. I trust you, God. I trust you more than, than, than any of my abilities. Tithing is about love, not about law. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's not a burden to bear, it's a lifestyle to live. It's a discipline that begins to shape the rest of your life as we follow Jesus. If you learn to trust God with your money through tithing, then, then I believe, I, I, I've seen this, I've felt this, I've lived this. Confidence begins to grow in you. Curiosity and compassion, they start to grow. You start to, to do things that you never thought to do. You start to be in positions that you never thought you would be in. God just begins to use you and trust you with more because, listen, it's not just about the financial aspect of it because we said God is God of all. He is God of all things. This is just one area, and when God blesses you, he blesses you throughout across the board that's what he wants from us god knows where you are he understands your need he un you're not cursed he understands what you're struggling with he understands the weight that you're carrying he knows that he'll work with you wherever you are whatever's happening if you just begin to trust him maybe this morning you're struggling with that a little bit well, i want to challenge you maybe next month start with one percent the month after that, move up to 2%. The month after that, move up to 3%. And just be, faith, be patient and be faithful and see, have your eyes open. Ask God to show you that you see how he's moving in your life. And I guarantee you, he will. Because it's not about the amount. It's about the motivation. It's about us saying, God, I trust you. God, I love you. He wants us to grow in him. One of the last things is giving grows us in godliness. God is a giver. We see that in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he, he gave. He wants us to embody his nature. He wants us to take on that image of who he is. But, you know, you can tithe out of obedience and still miss what God wants from you, what God wants for you. We can, we can give with a bad attitude and miss the blessing. We can give out of duty and obligation, not out of love. Or faith. Acts, 30, Acts 20, 35 says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What I believe is that God wants us to reflect his generosity in everything that we do. And that means that we're never worried about if there's going to be enough. We're never driven to that breakneck pace of life because we, we need more money. Money and material possessions, they, they never, they don't crush us. They don't crush our soul by the weight of a need or just agree to get more. And there's a surprising reality that tithing, tithing is like, just like training wheels for generosity. When Paul spoke about the, this legendary giving of, of, Macedonia, of the Macedonian church, and he urged the Christians, 
the church of Corinth to provide, to prove their love like the Macedonians did. You guys come up here and help me finish, Tay. 2 Corinthians 8, the Bible says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Then he took it a step further and he talked about the highest standard in love and giving in, in, that, same, in that same chapter. Of verse 9 he says, for you know the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty may become rich. God has a, a special place. He loves a cheerful giver. It says it in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a gentleman, Bob McEwen, and he tells this cute story about his son. So he, he took his son to, to McDonald's and bought him a supersize uh, order of fries. And as he was driving back home, I mean, just the, the aroma of those fries, they just filled the car. Somebody say amen. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, so his son was in the seat next to him. And so he reached over to the bag and just grabs one and he eats it. His son got upset. He said, Dad, you can't have that one. These are my fries. And he said he, immediately, I, I, he had these, these three thoughts. The first thought he had was, my child has forgotten that I am the source of all fries. <laughs> like, I, I, he, he was saying, I, I brought him here. I took him to McDonald's. I made the order. I paid for the order. I handed them to him. I'm driving him back home. He wouldn't have any fries if it wasn't for me. The only reason he got fries was because of me. I am the great fry giver. His second thought was, my child doesn't realize I could take them away in a second if I wanted to. Or on the other hand, I could buy him an entire truckload of fries if I wanted to because I have the power to do either. His final thought was, I didn't need his fries. I could have easily got my own. I can buy, I could buy myself a hundred fries if I wanted to. I just wanted him to learn to be unselfish. If, if we are Christians, if we believe what we sing every Sunday morning, if we believe what we read in the scriptures, we understand that God is our source. God is the one who gives us the ability to do what we do. God is the one who opens doors for us and he leads us and he guides us as we yield our lives to him. 
So this morning, I, I recognize that, that there is a, a spectrum of our positions of giving. There's, there's some here that, are, that, have, that have been faithful. And that's, that's not a big deal for you. You understand this. And it's great. I love that. Appreciate you. So thankful for you. There's others that, hmm, I, I, I'm faithful most of the time. But when it gets tight, I, I really need it. It's just a reality that you live in. And that's okay. There's others here that are like, nah, I don't believe it. I need everything I get. I'm barely making it. And that's, your, that's a reality. And that, that's okay. Wait, what? Yeah. It's okay to be where you are. It's fine. God understands. He's, he's bigger than any doubt you may have. He's bigger than any struggle you may be wrestling with. But what I want you to do is understand that he is at the ready to help. And he wants to honor your faithfulness. He wants to honor your trust. He said, this is the only place where the Lord says, prove me in this. And so this morning, as, we, as you sit here, and I, and I pray that, that it wasn't my words that you heard, but it was the Holy Spirit. I hope something in here, the Holy Spirit jumped, caused it to jump out at you. I hope that that happens to you every Sunday. I hope that happens to you every time you gather in your groups and you gather with members of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit does something inside of you. But I want us all to take a step forward together this morning. No matter where you are on the spectrum, whether it's, whether it's continuing to give, whether it's, it's giving faithfully, or whether it's starting with 1%, taking a step forward as we believe together. I love the beauty of the, of the, the image of the body of Christ that it speaks about in Corinthians. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. But when one part of the body rejoices, then we all rejoice. So would you bow your head and would you close your eyes this morning and just take a moment, just you and God. Maybe this morning you, you don't know him. and you, You'd love to, you, you want to you follow him. You want to give your life over to him. Or maybe you've known him, but you've, you've wandered away and you, you want to rededicate your life this morning. I'd love to help you with that a simple prayer that you can simply say this say Lord Jesus I love you and I need you I'm I'm at my wits end and I don't know what to do but I believe I believe that you know what's best for me I believe that God sent you to die on a cross to pay for my sins with the blood that you shared you shed and on the third day, you rose again with power. And because of that, I can receive the free gift of salvation. I receive that now. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. I surrender ownership to you. Would you, li- would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you be the king of my life from this moment on? Help me to learn more about you, to live for you the rest of my life. Lord, I pray right now for each and every person in this room, Lord, Lord no matter where they're, where, where, wherever they are on the spectrum when it comes to giving and tithing, Lord, that you would minister to their hearts. 
that you, God, would prove yourself worthy, that you would prove yourself strong, that you would prove yourself faithful, that you would come through in, in any circumstance and situation that they're hurting and that they're in need, Father. You would do that now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. There's nothing impossible for you. There's nothing out of your reach. Church, if you receive that, say amen.